Hey, welcome to the On Point cast. It's a blessing to have you here. Now, Lee, our guest today, was on this path and it was going well. And out of nowhere, he got this immune disease. And because of this disease, he could no longer take care of himself. What did he do? Well, let's listen to the interview and find out what Lee did to overcome this challenge. Enjoy. It's a real pleasure to have with us on the On Point cast, Lee. And uh, Lee, something that you're really into is environmental psychology. Tell us, what is that all about? Yeah, Tim. So to explain it a bit deeper, there's probably it's quite a new field. And most people I come across haven't heard of it before. Yeah, uh, including myself. The easiest way to explain it is there's three pillars of what we work on. We work with urban environments, so offices, homes, city plans, and look at how the environments that we create can be beneficial to our well-being or they can become more stressful to us and looking at how we can build places that are great places for humans to be and where humans thrive. There's a second section of us who look at nature, how humans interact with nature, the benefits of going to natural environments for humans, but also how being in a natural environment affects your behavior when you're outside of a natural environment. And the third pillar uh, of my contemporaries, they work around environmental behavior. So they look at why one person is terrified of climate change and another person doesn't think it exists and everything in between and how we can get people to make more sustainable decisions and just look at natural disasters and lots of the environmental things that happen around us and start to understand why people react to the way that they do. And the area that I focus on a lot is around the environment of workplaces and sleep environments because we spend so much time either at work or sleeping. Those environments are really pivotal to our health and our performance. Wow, that's awesome. So this is really how people relate to the environment. That's really a big part of this. Yeah, so in so many ways, our environments influence our thoughts, our feelings, our emotions, our behaviors, our actions. And generally speaking, we don't think about it until we get a little bit sick of all the clutter in our house or something becomes just too noisy for us to deal with or the lighting's too bright. And we don't tend to really connect to it until it's extreme. And yet all these elements give us a certain level of either regeneration or stress over the course of a day. And it's looking to understand how those environments impact humans and how you can change those environments to either be beneficial or to be worse and looking how we can build beneficial elements to environments within workplaces, within homes, within cities and transport networks how we can help people to access nature more easily, how they can start to understand the benefits of that, because the more they understand, the more likely they are to access it. And just to help people understand how to look after nature and how to be reciprocal, because nature gives, and we can also give back. So utilizing that cycle, and as well, just looking at how we can start to look after the planet more, and how naturally a lot of people feel that, you know, me as just one person can't make a difference when X companies doing all this. But again, it's like, really? We're looking at those behaviors, seeing how people's values, our social norms, our group theory affects that, but how we can try to promote pro environmental behaviors 
And a lot of that starts with, you know, business and workplace cultures and people's own perceptions and the groups they associate with. Because, again, our behavior is quite often influenced by our environments and we just don't really connect to it very often. Right. Yeah. So a lot of times we're just going through life and things are affecting of us and we may go, wow, there's something up here, but we don't realize it's our environment. It's, it's our surroundings. And so one of the key things is that we have to be intentional in the way we create environments or the environments that we, uh, we put ourselves in. Is that correct? Certainly. So it's looking at when an environment's designed so often. So, I mean, I do a lot of work in terms of offices and workspaces. And one of the things that you find is the end user generally doesn't have a lot of input into all the stages. Correct. So quite often you could have an office. It was designed by an architect and the inside elements designed by an interior designer. It's then been signed off by the board and the financiers have authorized the budget facilities have installed it and the end user then comes in and he's told okay sit here (laughs) and and the thing is when it comes to workplace environments everyone has a different environmental need so some people prefer a slightly warmer temperature slightly more light slightly less density slightly better ventilation and in so many ways there's there's, no legal limits to these things but the legal limits have a massive scale and everyone has the wrong perfect place to be. And realistically, you're not going to get perfection, but what we're looking for is optimal for you. So for example, in so many ways, an office, if it's not designed with your feedback, your input, what you want and you need, doesn't really feel like your office in a lot right. of ways. Like think about your home. People are intentional with designing the home. It's an expression of them. And sometimes you actually think of the environmental considerations, how they like things, whether they like things to be minimal or whether they like a lot of colour. And with our offices, if you've not had that input, it's challenging because it doesn't feel like yours. It's probably not congruent to your job role. It probably doesn't have the workflow and the feel that you need. And it doesn't really cater to you because you've not been involved deeply in any of the processes. So then we kind of look at that and see, you know what, is, 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 are there elements? So I do assessments of all the employees. And what you find is the same things that niggle people tend to come up over and over again because it's something that their job role or the, you know, how they feel, and it's something that they, it affects them every day. You know, it's too cold in here. It's always too cold in here. Or it's just not designed for our job. Like I often need to speak to Mike, but he's on the other side of the office. We collaborate most of the time. And every time I have to, you know, I have to go all the way over there. Why isn't it built around the ability for us to communicate more effectively? Or we feel like we're sat too close together. I feel like I'm in his personal space and it's just starting to stress me out. Or I'm sat right next to the computer servers and all day all I hear is, "Mm." (laughs) and and it's like the design, sometimes all it takes is installation of some acoustic form or it takes people to actually choose where they where they would work better and where they would sit. And sometimes these are not big budgetary changes. Sometimes these are, you've already got the stuff, just rearrange it and have people decide and implement what would work for them. Because some people like to be sat near the windows where there's natural light. 
sometimes there's we've got buildings with amazing natural light and they were all shuttered off. They've closed the skylight and there's so many elements and so many little things. You're going to different businesses, you get different physical environmental considerations. But more often than not, the employees have not had a say when they complain about something. If it's in isolation, quite often management and leadership are just like, well, it's just being a bit fussy. But when you take the data and say 42 of your employees have said this is an issue, and I'm speaking from that place of authority and credibility as a psychologist, and all of a sudden they, they're really willing to make the change. But that feedback's been given by employees probably for quite a while. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> quite funny how that kind of ends up coming about. And then we start to look as well at the the mental, the psychological environment. So how inclusive is the workplace? What's the culture like? Do people feel like they can develop themselves and build themselves? Are they given the space to do that? Are they given some autonomy with the job role? And are they given elements of appreciation? Are they given constructive feedback that helps them to develop? Is it inclusive? Is everyone included within workplace activities? And Ultimately, is the management and leadership culture come from a place of purpose where the business has values, they are communicated, they are congruent, they are lived throughout the organisation and are employees cherished? Because at the end of the day, they're a massive source of data because they're on the job floor doing the role that they're assigned every day. They are intertwined into your business's purpose. And they really, at the heart, want leadership that's driving in a direction that's making a difference, a positive difference, something that they can align to and they can feel proud of. And it's just about aligning all that together because getting the environment right, both psychologically and physically, really helps people to thrive in the workplace and leave in as great a mental and physical state as they come in in the morning. Wow, that is um, that is. This is a big field, and it's so important that our environments are are set up or designed in such a way that it helps us to enjoy our work and to be productive in what we need to do. How did you start? I mean, how did you start this? How did you get interested in this? I mean, how did you begin this uh, journey of wanting to do this? Oh wow! So I mean, that's it's quite a story in itself. <laughs> yeah. So, I was the first one in my family to university and I okay. went to study international business psychology. So I wasn't actually really sure what I wanted to do as a, as a young man. I was still in that place where I was like, ah, oh, what, what do I really like? I like statistics. I like helping people. But doing that allowed me to do lots of different units at university. So I managed to do geopolitics. I managed to look at business and the aspects around that. I managed to look at psychology within organisations within behaviours, managed to look at communications and language. And that kind of gave me a broad a broad spectrum of things to dig into when I decided what I wanted to do. And I actually graduated and became a financial advisor. So I wanted to help people, you know, with the money that made me able to look at statistics and get them a better financial well-being and a better financial future. And that was great, but I graduated in 2007. So after six months of doing this and working really hard, all of a sudden the economic crash came and most of the people above me got made redundant. And then I got made redundant. So that completely changed my path again because I thought, you know what, this this would be a really good career for me. And then getting made redundant, I found that I couldn't get a job again. I couldn't get a job in that field because 
everywhere else was making redundancies due to the crash. So I ended up setting up my own business, a video game business of all things, and built that while working other jobs to try and find what I wanted to do. So I worked within local government and worked within elite sports, taking numerous qualifications along the way to help me and aid me to understand physiology better. So I did qualifications in nutrition, in sleep, and in strength and conditioning. And that kind of started to get an idea that really ignited my interest in the body and the mind. And I thought, you know what, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm starting to think that I want to actually help people with their bodies and their minds rather than the finance. Just kind of started to work for me. And I started working with some unemployed people, helping them find direction and what they wanted to do, and then helping them become more confident and communicate better. And I start, you know, a few of them went into job roles that they wanted. And that was really fulfilling and made me think I'd really like to help people in some way and probably more around them than their finance. And I was just kind of starting to think about some kind of idea around this. And then in 2014, I became unwell, lost the ability to walk. And that really then changed everything in a lot of ways. Wow. So you've definitely been on this major journey. And it's kind of a journey of discovering, uh, really, what do you want to do? And uh, some of, part of that journey... Thing, sounds like things were out of your control. You you had a path you wanted to travel, but because of the the circumstances, you weren't able to travel. And and then you started going down a different road, and you discovered, wow, I like this. And then and then eventually, you came to a point uh, in your journey where uh, you had health issues. Yeah. So all of a sudden, uh, over the course of a week, my immune system started to attack my joints. Oh man! So it locked my wrist in place and then my knee, and then my shoulder, and then my other knee. And at that point, I was taken to hospital and was in a lot of pain and obviously unable to move. And it was challenging because, you know, I was young. I was only 29. I was fit and I was healthy. And I was independent. I'd do everything myself. My wife was six months pregnant with my daughter. My son was only 18 months old, so he didn't understand either. And I was in shock in hospital and I couldn't look after myself. I couldn't show myself, couldn't eat properly. And oh, my goodness. In shock at first. And it was like, whoa, I don't, I don't really know what's happening. And then the doctor started testing me and draining the fluid off my joints. And again, I started to feel the negative emotions. They started to come through, started to feel frustration and despair because I didn't really know what was happening. And all of a sudden, it doesn't seem very fair. I've, you know, I've looked after myself. I was athletic. I was fit. I was healthy, I ate well, and all of a sudden I'm in a hospital bed and not sure what's happening and, and I started to feel a bit of grief for my mobility and my physicality and, you know, I'm, I'm a young man, I, I was always running about here and there and I was kind of thinking, I don't really know what the future holds, but I'm in, not in a great place right now, I'm in a lot of pain. But what kind of happened in that second week is kind of had a similar experience to my redundancy so after my redundancy, I, I kind of felt, you know what, this is really unfair. But then I thought, you know what, I've lost my professional qualification, so I'm going to go and pay for my own qualifications. And if I pay for them, then no one can take them away from me. It's in my control. And that was a similar reasoning behind setting up the business. I can't be, I can't fire myself from my own business. I've been made <laughs> redundant. Um, you got a secure job because you're the owner of the the business. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And and, it, and if it does fail, then there's lessons for me to learn. <laughs> and that's wow. how I kind of saw it. And 
then obviously the, re- the recovery, I was looking and thinking, I'm I'm really going to struggle here. But then in the second week, and you get a lot of time to reflect when you can't move. <laughs> right. <laughs> you yes. You're, you're stuck. You're, you're, you're not going anywhere. Yeah. And it kind of just dawned upon me that I'd never been grateful once for being able to walk. And that kind wow. of just blew my mind a bit because I then realized I've not been grateful enough to the people who are now helping me do the basic things in my life. And I've not really been grateful for growing up in the UK, having free education, free healthcare, never been hungry, never been homeless, freedom to set up a business, work in lots of different industries. I've had so many opportunities because of simply where I was born. <laughs> and wow, yes. I kind of thought just how can you lie here and be ungrateful and feel sorry for yourself? Get yourself in a place where you can take your recovery seriously, take a positive mindset and be proactive with your recovery. Attack your disease as much as it's attacking you. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be challenging, but it's a challenge. It's not a threat. It's an opportunity for you to stand up and show what you can do rather than, you know, avoid it and hope that your medication is going to work. Because in so many ways, it's all about, you know, your mentality towards it. And I was like, this is a chance for me to, in so many ways, get back on my feet. That's who I want to be. So I had that identity in my head. I'm going to be running around the garden with my children. Trying to get discharged from hospital. And not long after that, my daughter's born. And I'm there in walking rehab, taking step by step with a physiotherapist and gradually getting better and a little bit every day. And then I have a bit of a setback. But then I make a bit of progress again and another setback. And those mornings, it was hard. I was in pain. I was stiff. Didn't want to do all the exercises and all the stretches and all the things that I had to do. But I kind of said, it doesn't really matter how you feel. It matters who you want to be. And I wanted to be back on my feet, playing with my children, walking with my daughter when she started walking. And I was like, this is who I want to be. So I really anchored into that identity and decided that is who I'm going to be. So that is what my actions are going to be. And because I'm living up to the identity that I want, my feelings, they'll come at the end, but they'll be good. I will feel good that I'm living up to what I'm saying. And after 11 months, I walked a mile unaided. And that for me was a massive moment. As I kind of stood there out of breath next to a lamppost, just, yes, if I can walk a mile without any aids, what else can I achieve? That is amazing. So you basically, things were going well in your life. And then out of nowhere, you had this uh, immune disease situation, uh, which hindered you from walking. And uh, then from that, you went through rehabilitation and you got back on your feet again, literally. Yeah. And then, um, and, but also one of the big things through that whole thing was just the mindset of, wow, gratefulness how important gratefulness is to uh, going through a situation and that we need to be grateful as we live life. Definitely. And it's something that we don't tend to think about too much. And it's almost like a muscle. So the more you practice it and the more that you're grateful for, the more you see that you're grateful for and the more capacity you have for gratitude. And I think a big part of it for me was I decided to take ownership of my disease and say, okay, I've got this disease. It's part of me. doesn't define me, but it's part of my journey. And I kind of started to see that actually, in a strange way, 
it was good that it happened to me. It shook me out of the status quo. It made me uncomfortable. It made things uncertain. But that helped me to grow. And the real fire behind the business that I run today is the fact that my environment helped me recover. Understanding my own thoughts and feelings and my physiology helped me recover. And I want other people to be able to leverage and take these things. And they might not be unwell, but it will increase the performance. It will increase the health and it will increase the happiness. And I don't think anyone in the world doesn't want to feel a bit more successful, a bit healthier and a bit happier. Amazing. Wow. You could have taken this in two ways. You could have either gone down the right of route of, oh, I'm in a bad situation and let that define your, your life. Or you could say, wow, I'm going to take what I got. I'm going to do what I can and I'm going to get the most out of this situation, which is the, the route you chose. And now you have this business and you're moving in a forward direction. That is so exciting. Oh, yeah, in so many ways. And I, I kind of, as I started to understand, because I, if you imagine I was in walking rehab with people who'd also become unwell and had similar situations, people who'd possibly had, you know, people who had car accidents, people who'd had strokes and people who'd had different situations that caused them to lose the ability to walk. And we were all kind of learning together. What I started to understand is I'd had those negative emotions at the beginning. And there's a reason as human beings why we have negative emotions and you've got to live from the deepest despair to the blazing joy you've got to feel everything all the way in between and it was really important that I let those come and let them pass not bottle them up and then leave them to come back and cause me psychological problems later down the line but after those kind of passed and I had that you know that gratitude burning inside me I started to realize that quite often I was suffering after the initial pain has subsided it becomes a choice you can continue to suffer you can continue to feel like a victim of external circumstances or you can let the suffering happen and process it and let it go and then say you know I'm not going to suffer anymore I'm not going to resist the pain I'm going to work with it I'm going to use it as fuel to push me even more even further than I've ever been before and I was I was determined I was going to bounce back and be bigger than the person I was before. And that, that real, really kind of catalyzed me to just keep pushing, to not limit myself and not put boundaries on my recovery and what I could do. I never said, oh, I can't do that. I'd say, well, maybe not yet, or maybe just not now, or you know what, maybe I won't, but I'll adapt and do something better. And that kind of mentality really, really helped. Because again, life is absolutely full of challenges. We're in a very, very challenging time now in many ways. And, Correct. you know, your life is up and down. It's a lot like a heartbeat on an ECG, constantly up and down. You're on top of a mountain and then you're in a trench and then you climb up the next mountain. It's so much easier if you believe you can climb the next mountain. And if anything, if life was, a, if life was flat and you didn't have that discomfort and that uncertainty, well, on an ECG, it'd be a flat line and you wouldn't be alive. So that's life. Life is that up and down heartbeat and <laughs> you've got to bounce back up when you're in the trenches, when you're down, knowing that the good times are going to come again. It's like the seasons. Summer's up at the top. You're going to have winters. You're going to have lots of winters in your life and it's going to be challenging, but you can put a coat on 
and start to get yourself prepared. (laughs) So we have to really understand that life is a journey. And as we live life, there's going to be these peaks and those valleys. And we got to understand that sometimes we're in that valley and, and we just got to have hope because we're going to eventually be out of the valley and be at the peak of the mountain again. Yeah. And it's kind of that thing where a lot of people naturally when they're in the valley if you're looking down looking down they're like oh head down this is this is difficult this is this isn't good this isn't good when you've actually got to do you say this is a challenge when you say it's a challenge you put you you lift your head up and then you can see the mountain you can see where you're going okay so we got to pick up our heads sometimes and just look forward yeah, that is so important. Instead of looking down, we got to look up. Yeah, and it's that kind of looking up where then you can see that you're going to go back up again. It's almost like being on a roller coaster. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if you've got your head yeah. down, you don't see that you're going to go back up on the next. That's on the next exactly thing. right. <laughs> wow. Well, you're definitely an inspiration, and you've overcome some stuff, and uh, you're definitely on point right now. You know, you've experienced something like uh, not being able to walk, right? Uh, but Maybe other people will have the same experience, but there's definitely these experiences, whether it's walking, whether it's it's a, a relational challenge or whatever, uh, where we're down in a valley. What's your advice uh, on getting out of the valley and starting walking and lifting our heads? How can we get out of the valley and start moving forward? Yeah, I think in so many ways, it, it first comes to towards the acceptance. acceptance really that the first step is acceptance so it doesn't matter who you are in so many ways adversity doesn't discriminate so you're going to face some challenge at some point and like you say whether it be your health your relationships your work your own you know your own life and your own mental well-being or other people around you you know again we're all going to face at least one or two really significant challenges like now, the whole world is sharing a massive challenge. Something Correct. Bigger, We're all maybe. in it together. There's no no place that hasn't been affected. Yeah, so the, the first step is really to accept that these challenges are going to come. Okay. And once we accept them, that really allows us to then look at them a bit more objectively and realize that this is a problem, but it's not just our problem. It's a problem that everyone faces at some point, and it's a shared human experience. So the first step is to acknowledge that we have a challenge. The second step is to realize, wow, we're not the only ones with this challenge. This is just adversity and everybody faces adversity. Yeah, so definitely after we kind of have that awareness and then accept it, suddenly then it becomes much easier for us to start to look and think, how can we start to work to get out of this situation, to get to a more positive place again? and that is massive because once we accept, we can start to commit to taking some action towards it. And it really expands our horizon. So something bad has happened to you and you know, you're going to feel that emotion. Let that emotion come. Be aware of it. There's a reason why you feel that way. But then once you've got that awareness and you let that go, you can then accept it. Once you've accepted it and understood that this has happened, there's some things that I have control of, there's other things that I don't have control of. Really okay. focus on what you have control over, your reaction to it, how you now take it forward. That is within your control. And that actually feels really empowering when you have that process. And suddenly it's in your hands. 
And as humans, we love having the autonomy, the control to make things happen. So once you feel like you've got that control back, you can then start planning and building what you want. So, you know, you've been through a divorce and it feels really sad. You grieve, your relationship's broken. And yet, again, you've gone through that process. You let those negative emotions go. You've realized that, you know, it happens. It's happened to many other people. And then you accept it and say, you know what? This relationship, it, it, it didn't go how I wanted it to go. But I can look back on it now and take a bit of the emotion out and realize that this was great. I've got great memories, lots of great things. And that gratitude will power you through. You start to see the good bits, even through the bad times. And that changes your mindset. And then you suddenly become more proactive. You start taking action to build back to where you want to be. And sometimes it takes a real crisis to knock us out of our path and realize that we might have been on the wrong path all along. Maybe it wasn't our journey. Maybe we're on someone else's journey. Maybe we're even heading in the wrong direction. And sometimes it does take a real change in the climate to make us realize that we're setting off in a T-shirt and shorts and it's winter. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, that's you you said we have control over certain things, but we don't have control over other things. So take control over what we can control uh, and that will help us to move forward. Yeah, so it's really you have you as a human being, people love to build things, to create things, to control things. And in this modern world, quite often we're not switched on. Like gone are the days where you were beaten by a tiger if you weren't looking at what you were doing. So many people walk walk around most of their lives with all the senses switched off. You're just on autopilot. People just drive somewhere and arrive and they, they don't even know how they got there. <laughs> and and they just, you know, the world is so safe and so certain. And what really becomes powerful is when you start to get that acuity for your senses, you start to become more mindful and tune in. I mean, there's a reason why they call the present moment the present. It's because it's a gift to you to utilize now. And when we're kind of building this, this mindset that can, you know, withstand adversity and really start to see the world in a more, you know, happy and grateful light, it really helps to look back on our past and realize that our failures are actually part of our journey. And failures are really important because they shape us as a person. We can't fail if we didn't take action. So if we've taken some action to fail, and it really helps to chisel our character. And it's important to kind of look back at our failures because, again, the past has happened, but the thousands of decisions you've made in the past have made you the human that you are today. And you can now look to the future to make lots of decisions and decide which human you want to be in 10 years' time. And again, those thousands of decisions you'll take from today, each one in its individual present moment, will take you on the next part of your journey. So looking back on our failures, our challenges, our mistakes, it's really good to look at those and almost put a lab coat on and think that you're doing science, you're doing an experiment. So remove the emotion from those failures. Just imagine you're experimenting and look at them. Every failure is full of lots of bits of data, which suggest probably not a good idea to do it like that again. 
<laughs> there's always a bit of data in there that says this is quite useful. You can take this and utilize this bit of data in the future. This is a lesson that I've learned from that failure, something that's actually valuable. And in every failure, there's a little bit of treasure because by failing and taking action and something not going right, there's always a really powerful insight from everything that's not gone well that you can then use in the future to ensure that your future decisions go in a direction that you want them to. And I quite often say to my clients, oysters normally just live a life and most of them get eaten at some point. But if a parasite attacks an oyster and really irritates it, really challenges it, those oysters make pearls. So unless you're irritated, unless you're uncomfortable, unless you're challenged, don't get those little bits of treasure inside. You can't dig deep and find them. And really, you want to be on your deathbed in your later life, not regretting what you didn't try because you were scared you were going to fail. You don't want to be regretting losing touch with people who meant a lot to you. You want to know that you, you made that. You don't want to regret not living your life, not being authentically you. You actually want to be in your deathbed Correct. knowing that you tried everything you wanted to try. You failed lots of times. Those help you to find where you wanted to go on your journey. And you have a little pearl necklace of lessons to, to you know, pass on to the next generation. And you can give them as part of your legacy. That is awesome. Wow. So we need to live life. And as we live life, we're going to have these lessons and we need to take these lessons and learn from them and move forward. And just don't get discouraged that we're going to have some lessons. Just know that life is full of lessons and, and learn them and move forward and experience the joys that we're meant to experience. Well, it's such a pleasure to have you here today. And, um, Thank you for sharing all this great stuff with us. Uh, it's been inspirational. Your story is inspirational. How can people connect with you? What's the best so way? The best way is through my websites, which are leechambers.org and essentialize.co.uk. And you can find me on Instagram at essentializecoach. Excellent. Wow. That's, there's many ways to connect with you. And thank you so much for taking your time today. It's a pleasure. And the exciting thing is that no matter what happens in our life, we can learn from it, move forward and experience the blessings that we're meant to experience. It's been a privilege, Tim. Thank you for having me on. Wow. Wasn't Lee inspirational? He was able to overcome something that was like, enormous. You know, maybe we're not experiencing exactly what Lee experienced, but there are things in our lives where we have to overcome. And one of the key things that Lee did to overcome was gratitude, just gratitude. Like what are those blessings I have in my life? And just enjoying those things that we are experiencing now that we've experienced in the past. Gratitude is so important. And also what Lee talked about was how to get out of a valley. You know, we're going to be on these mountaintops. We're going to be in these valleys. But how do we get out of that? How do we get out of a valley and start climbing up towards the mountaintop? And he shared many things. So here are a few things that Lee talked about. He talked about accepting our situation. We need to accept where are we at right now in our lives. Just accept that. And so many times it's so hard just to accept where we're at, but that's important. We need to start there. This is the truth. This is where we're at. Then 
just to understand we are not alone. There are other people experiencing similar things, maybe not exactly, but similar things that we're experiencing. And we need to understand that there are other people going through this too. And it's so comforting to know that we're not alone. So often we think we're the only ones that are in this, but the reality, there are other people having similar experiences. Then focus on what we can control. What can we control in this situation? And focus on that. The next thing he talked about was create a plan. You know, now that we know what we can control, just have a plan that will help us to get out of our valley. Part of that plan is knowing our identity. That's what he talked about. What is our identity? And that identity will help us to create the plan, all right? Then after we have this plan, take action. You know, it's more than just having a plan. It's taking action on our plan. So those are some of the things that Lee talked about on how to get out of a valley, right? He also talked about so many things that was like, was inspirational. Uh, Another thing he talked about was that life is full of lessons and they're like pearls. And so each one of these lessons is like a pearl. And so we need to value the lessons that we're being taught. And so that's so important. Also, another thing he talked about was trying to, Put the emotions aside so that we can focus on what's important. Focus on those points. So many times our emotions take over our lives, but we need to somehow put the emotions aside so that we can really focus on the things that will help us where we're at right now. Wow. Well, that was awesome. And I know I enjoyed that. And I'm sure you did also. And uh, so there's so many things that inspired us in this interview. Well, There's something that I've been doing for 30 years, and uh, I'd like to share that with you. And also, I'd like you to be part of our community. We have this great community that supports each other as we strive to be on point in our lives. So if you go to onpointer.com, go down to the bottom of the page, and there's a button that says register. Just click on register. It will give you a form, fill out the form and you'll be part of our community. All right, look forward to seeing you in the community. Thank you so much for being part of the On Pointer cast. See you at the next one, because I know it's going to be inspirational also. All right, have a great day. Hasta luego. Ciao. Bye. (laughs) 